In a world where good news is hard to find, WAVA and One Heart DC present Good News for the City. We're here to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and what his body, the church, is doing to spread this good news in the Washington, D.C. metro area, including Northern Virginia, Maryland, and D.C. As Jesus said in John 17, Father, that they may be one just as we are one. Welcome to Good News for the City. It's the gospel, the gospel that makes a way. Greetings, folks, and welcome to Good News for the City, the radio broadcast ministry partnership between WAVA Radio and One Heart DC, right here on Life Changing Talk Radio, WAVA 105.1 WAVA. And we are on the FM dial. We are glad you are with us. My name is Dennis Williams. I'm Director of Ministry Relations for WAVA Radio, and I want to welcome you to today's broadcast. Folks, can I just tell you this? I don't mean this in a mean way, in, in any way or form, but unless you've been living in a cave or under a rock or in a bubble, it's hard to imagine that you have not noticed that we are living in extremely polarized, divided times. On almost a daily basis, we witness the lack of civility and a very unloving tone toward one another. And this is happening even in the church. Sometimes I think even more in the church. Yes, there are complex pressing issues and legitimate differences of opinion. But as Christ followers, we must be the church that Jesus prayed for in John 17, where oneness in Christ takes precedence and where we have good and healthy engagement on issues of our day. Well, to help us engage in that, my partner is going to introduce our guest to us and get us started. So you know what? Let's talk about it. Hey, I want to introduce to you my buddy, my good friend, my co-host, senior pastor of that church. You remember that church? Last time I last time I checked Christian Fellowship Church in Ashburn, Virginia. Christian that may have changed in the last church. hour or two, but now, I think I'm I still knew there. The name, but I wanted to test you just man. to make sure that I knew. Just to make sure yeah. that you knew and understood. Pastor Brian Bales, senior pastor, Christian Fellowship Church in Ashburn, Virginia. See, I did remember yeah. after you reminded me. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> you know, you know me pretty well, other than where I work, apparently. But nonetheless, you know that I'm I always know your wife. I, I, I know. I've I always I've always got a song stuck in my head. Usually '80s. Usually '80s. Truthfully, <laughs> but right now I have this really annoying song I'm going to share with the audience, and we're not going to pay royalties for me singing it. Only if we played it. Uh, if you've ever been to Disney and they say it's yeah. a small world after, after all, all. Yeah, yeah, that's what I got stuck in my head today because uh, discovering today our our guest here, um, her and I know a lot of the same people. And we were just having a great conversation off air. And we realized that the world that we live in is very, very small. Indeed. And sometimes that shows up in very little situations. Or, as what we're going to talk about today, in the world that you're put in, you can make a difference right where you are. It's not as big as what you might think in that way. And so, to talk about what we're going to talk about today, we have in studio... Uh, Christy Stats. She is from Stowe, Ohio, right near where I come from. I know that. Place. I know. She went to Miami University. She is a Red Hawk and Indeed. studied comparative religion and communications. She has a minor in sociology as well. Uh, she worked as a missionary f- with crew for 15 and a half years, 11 of which she was in the United Kingdom, and she is now affiliate staff. She helped create Crossings, a refugee ministry for a church that she was serving at there uh, in Ohio, and as well as with Crew's International Immigrant Refugee Ministry. 
ministry initiative at the same time. So she did two things. So she had two jobs at the same time, uh, much like some of us sometimes, right? <laughs> she accepted a job offer in advocacy work as the mobilizer for Bibles, badges, and business project of the National Immigration Forum. She's part of a broad coalition of Christian denominations and organizations that speak and put on events with the Evangelical Immigration Table. Uh, their goal is to help educate the church to think more biblically about this issue of immigration. Uh, she has a passion for parts of the world that have had little access to hearing about Jesus. Uh, she's also passionate about cooking, uh, apparently salsa dancing. Now, that's something I don't share with her. Well, I've seen <laughs> the, you. The your rhythm thing. is not so. Oh, I thought you were talking about no. salsa dancing. I was well, going to talk too, about your, the, your rhythm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she likes to read just about anything she can get her hands on. She is nearly finished with her master's in theology from Trinity Evangelical Divinity School, one of my alma maters. So All that's right. two for two man, in that way. Uh, and so we're excited to talk about this subject. So thanks for being in studio with us, Christy. It's such a joy, Brian, and I love all our connections. Ah, it's good. Uh, hopefully we'll stay that way after our time together, but nonetheless. <laughs> probably not. Probably no. not. It, you know. So, Christy, you get let's... to know him, man. You just... <laughs> yeah, yeah. You forget where I work, away, all kinds of things away. like that. So, Christy, uh, let's just let's go straight to the chase. We live uh, in challenging times. Now, I, I want to say this. Believers in all times have lived in challenging times, mm. yes. but er, every yes. different time has some, some unique challenges that stretch yes. our faith and how we engage within our community, specifically as we engage our communities in new ways. And so as we're going to kind of talk about this issue of immigration a little bit, can you paint a picture of how deep and how broad some of the challenges at the time that we now find ourselves in exist from your vantage point and how they connect and work in this area of immigration? Yes. Um, Thank you. Great question. So they go as far as some of the things I didn't know when I got into this space five years ago. So for example, I had no idea how broken our immigration system was. Mm. I didn't know that there were very few avenues for people to legally immigrate. I didn't know that currently in the country there are 30,000 people who were adopted as children by Americans and they are undocumented immigrants because mm. our country made a mistake with their paperwork and has not figured out a way to fix it and they're adults at this point. Wow. Um, so there are deep challenges in terms of what are the accessible routes for immigrants to come legally um, but then if you move it on to our dialogue with one another um, it's become an issue that has really put a lot of fear in the hearts of people so um, on one um, angle, there are people who are terrified of immigrants moving into their neighborhoods, especially from certain people groups. So they're told that if people are migrants coming with the migrant caravan about a year and a half ago, um, they were painted as thugs. So there's an yes. issue with yeah. rhetoric that's not really reflective of the reality of people fleeing mm -hmm. violence and poverty. Um, there are people who um, sent missionaries overseas and then are afraid of people coming from those same people groups to live amongst them. So I worked with Muslims overseas, and I have seen really fearful attitudes in the church of the idea of Muslims living in people's neighborhoods. Sure. So there's a kind of disconnect. Um, and then... I think how we talk to each other. Um, do we give each other the benefit of the doubt of where we're at? And so you have um, parts of the church that are shouting and calling people racist, and you have parts of the church that are shouting and saying, you just want open borders and to let everybody in. And so there's kind of a real... Um, 
breakdown mm-hmm. in how we hear each other and how we believe the best in each other and connecting the immigration um, struggle in the country with our mission. Mm-hmm. I think right off the bat, one of the things that you highlighted is without even trying, we can get a very unidimensional or monodimensional view of this very complicated, multidimensional, multifaceted issue yes. of immigration. Yes. Uh, and we tend, what's interesting, especially in the church world, if, if we're if we're not careful, what we often see is we see people on both sides of the issue take scripture rip it out of its context mm-hmm. and yes. then use it as a yes. Bible bomb to drop it on Indeed. people with the opposing view Indeed. that they had. And, and we find ourselves at this place where many people can say this hot issue of the day. And, and again, I don't want to demean that by saying hot issue of the day, but I mean, we've seen in the church, we've seen that there's been over time and there continues to be in time issues like this, that, that pop up mm. that, that people who profess a faith in Jesus Christ find themselves on completely opposite spectrums mm. of the this. Yes. And interestingly enough, yeah. they find themselves in completely opposite spectrums. And many times they use verses of the Bible hmm. to therefore justify the position they have, which creates this tension for non-believers as they're looking and they're saying, well, this is a group of people claiming Jesus and they're using these verses. And this is a group of people claiming Jesus and they're using other verses. Man, do these Christians not have their act together? Truth be told, we don't in lots of ways. Yeah, exactly. But we serve a Jesus that is so much bigger. Right. And so how are you experiencing and seeing the church then engage or maybe not engage well this discussion? And what do you feel like is maybe some beginning steps to move in a negative way to a positive way? Yeah. Well, so I'll start with positive. When I got into this space five years ago and helped my church start a refugee ministry, it was the fall of 2015. And so the country was very concerned about the refugee crisis. A lot of governors wanted to politically keep Syrians out of their states. Um, Yet I saw 160 people in 18 months get involved, um, at the very least go through cross-cultural training on how they could serve refugees and immigrants in the Northeast Ohio area um, from one church. Um, Saw about 12 churches get catalyzed to welcome refugees while refugees were suddenly seen as very controversial. Um, But on the the sadder ends of things, um, I think I've seen often... Christians are just not very informed and the lack of information about what our legal processes are have put them in a position that instead of um, being really informed by scripture and how we deal with very, as you said, complex situations with immigration, they're informed instead by their favorite nightly news show yes. or mm-hmm. yes. worse. Sometimes they're, they're informed by memes they see on Facebook. Sure. Yeah. Um, so that has, um, so I think for one is like learning, for example, refugees. There was a big fear, people thinking that refugees were coming to the U.S. illegally, um, but actually refugees are a legal process for the U.S., and it's a program that has been well-established. It's about 40 years old. Um, we've never seen a terrorist come out of the refugee program. Um, people are vetted overseas. They come here, but now the numbers of refugees have declined heavily yeah. and some of it is um, questions over are they legal or not yeah it's pretty common here on the show one of the things we do is we try to say okay when we're going to talk about an issue especially if it's something that seems to be a hot button issue of the day let's define our terms yeah. right because many times people use the same words mm. but they mean completely different things by them I've jokingly said when I say clean I mean organized and my wife means sanitized same word different <laughs> implications yes. right but when it comes to this particular issue there is a technical definition yeah. 
petition yes. for refugee. And it becomes a conflated issue when we began to use it improperly. Yes. And then we put people in categories where they don't necessarily belong in that category, yes. right? So two very simple examples on how that can get confusing is there's a UN definition of a refugee. You could just look it up, but it, it defines people as being in danger um, for their very safety, their very lives, and they're fleeing for reasons of religious persecution. They belong to a particular political group, um, their ethnic, their ethnicity. Um, and so, and I've just botched that definition, but if you look it up, it's a very clear cut sentence. And don't look it up on social media. Yeah. Right? Don't yeah. Look, go to the UN website. Yeah. But, um, so that is the UN definition of a refugee. So globally, there are 25 million refugees who've been displaced out of their country into mm. other countries, but there are 70 million people who've been displaced and so they might be displaced out of one side of Syria into the other and so they're a displaced person if they have to leave their country they're now a refugee Mm -hmm. Um, but what got confusing for us is the U.S. has a refugee resettlement program which means the State Department legally vets refugees overseas and brings them here so in 2015 for example as refugees were arriving in Europe by boat they were technically fitting the definition of refugee they had fled their country for reasons of persecution, but people thought that those coming here were coming on their own, undocumented. Sure. Versus the difference between refugees arriving at the shores of Europe is the UN definition of refugee, whereas we actually have a legal category for how people immigrate here. They come with an I-94. It's a legal paper. Yeah. It means all their documentation has been done overseas. They actually are allowed to work as soon as they arrive. They have to pay the U.S. government back their travel loan. So it, it, what so you're trying to bring yeah. to the forefront is, is that without proper information at the start... It makes our conversation so difficult. Yeah, it's very rarely we're ever going to yeah. have a production conversation. Now, you've already brought this point up, but I want to draw back to it, that our point as believers starts in what Jesus has to say. Mm-hmm. And we look clearly to Scripture for that yep. in the history of the church. Could you talk about maybe uh, a lesson that, that Scripture in the history of the church includes leaders who've led well in difficult, challenging times. Yes. So an example for me is Charles Spurgeon. So I love my Puritans and Charles Spurgeon. By the way, we've had a lot of things said on the show. I don't think we've ever heard someone say, I I love my Puritans. I think that's a new one. So (laughs) we got to mark that one for the show. I'm sorry. I I interrupted. I do love my Puritans. I'm a nerd. This is probably why I'm single. But the the great preacher Charles Spurgeon and it's interesting because if you look at the Puritans they did some things really well and they did some things terribly so there's other speakers I love or preachers I love who own slaves that is abominable terrible in God's sight but Spurgeon particularly when you think about him he's known for his preaching he's known for evangelism he's known for being this lion in the church in the UK who preached to crowds of 10,000 he's a five point Calvinist he is very theologically conservative yet at the time Time, he also preached about social issues of the day. And there's two particular ones. One, he was constantly um, preaching against how the country was treating children in the workhouses. He supported the ministry of George Muller, who lived in Bristol, yeah. England, yeah. and had this incredible ministry to orphans. Um, at points, was taking care of 2,000 orphans. But Charles also spoke very, very strongly against slavery, which had stopped in the UK and was continuing in the Americas. And he spoke so strongly about it that Americans in the South were burning his books Mm, and calling mm. him a heretic. There's nothing heretical about Charles Spurgeon's theology, but he was leaning onto a social issue from the word of God, and it did not make him popular in certain circles. And so that's the challenge for us is... um, 
to to be people who are not owned by a particular partisan position. Um, you might be a part of a party, but to not be owned by your party, mm-hmm. and that we are people of the Word of God, sure, and that we go to the Bible, that we go to scripture, that we go to Jesus, and we let that inform how we're seeing, quote unquote, the issues of the day. And this is a time that we say this from time to time here, whenever we delve into any issue that could be um, attached a label of political, uh, whether this is or not, it's a whole different discussion. But nonetheless, uh, we say and remind her over and over again that as believers, we are neither donkeys nor elephants, we are sheep. That is our identity, right? It is not in a party. It's in that he is our good shepherd and we are the sheep. So if we're going to align with any animal, that should be the one that we align with. Yet we have to be honest. We live in a culture, even inside of the church world, where people stake out their positions, whether it's based on a political bent or whether it's not. But they they Mm -hmm. pick a position. And too often what occurs then is that then they're like, hey, I'm in this position. I'm not going to get out of the position. And you're working to help people sort of uh, move towards from a stalemate to finding a common ground. We may not agree on everything, but there are some common things that that we can and do agree on. Finding compromise, finding a creative third solution. Talk about, if you would, rallying the church on this issue called restitution-based immigration reform as sort of the middle. Yes. So the Evangelical Immigration Table, you can find us, evangelicalimmigrationtable.com. We are a broad coalition of 10 evangelical organizations, including the Southern Baptists, the National Association of Evangelicals, the Assemblies of God, World Relief. Um, We have been trying to find a space to fix the 11 million undocumented in the country. So the conversation that you hear in headlines or in tweets is either amnesty for 11 million people or you deport 11 million people. Right. right. And so that's people taking out on the opposite position. You yep. know, that's a non-starter. And realistically, it's a non-starter. It's a non-starter. Practically, our economy would, those people are actually giving to our economy. So mm-hmm. if you deported 11 million people, um, it would be actually really bad for us. But worse so, from a believing position, I believe that families are from God, that God has created the family. It's an institution from the Lord. There are many people in the middle of that situation with their immigration status that it would deport one member of the family and keep others here. And so it would separate marriages. It would separate parents and children. Um, and so what we're saying as um, evangelicals is we We have six principles that are taken from scripture. For example, one of them being that we believe the family unit belongs to the Lord. Um, And so what we want to do is we're thinking about something difficult, like what do we do with 11 million undocumented? How do we honor the Lord? How do we honor keeping the law? And how do we come up with a, a, a third ground that's not been offered to us? So restitution is saying that there has been laws broken. Some of the laws would be mm-hmm. um, people have overstayed a visa. More than half of the 11 million undocumented have not come through a border, but they've actually overstayed a visa. Um, some are people who came to work for an employer who tricked them and used them to get into the country and then promised a visa and didn't provide one. Sure. Um, so there has been laws broken on multiple grounds. Um, most of the undocumented have been here 10 years or longer, and a significant number of them have been here 20 to 30 years. Mm. So the question is, is how do we do this in a way that doesn't upend families and yet also pays a penalty for the kinds of laws that have been broken? So under restitution, you can go and read at our website. We're proposing that there is a penalty, a fine that is paid over a seven 
seven to ten year period that would make restitution for what is broken. But it would also provide a pathway where there currently is none. Mm -hmm. So there is no pathway for someone who's been here for 20 years to get into the right side of the law. And this allows people to do it. And so we actually have a really conservative lawmaker um, who is a believer. And he has told us that if we can get 5,000 signatures, um, especially pastors, that he will propose it as a law, even if we, he loses the next election. Oh, and yeah. so, so the question for us is, you know, what does it look like to create pathways instead of shouting in the corners to fix something that is broken? And clearly we believe that when we inform our actions, not from just what we feel, but from what the Bible communicates as accurate truth, we, we have a better future, right? Yes. And whether that's in our home life, uh, whether that's in issues like immigration or any other issue, the Bible and the good news of the gospel that comes through the Bible is set to infiltrate every part of our life. And we can have life now to the full, right? That's what Jesus said. I came to mm-hmm. so give life to the full, not just someday when we pass from this place to the next, but rather that you can, can do that now. And, and one of the things we like to often ask is a, a story. Could you give us a story like where you've seen the church or a leader uh, today, and as much as we love our Puritans and C.H. Spurgeon, you know, today, you know, in 2019, 20 timeframe, uh, that sort of speak, being the church. Yes. I'll, I'll give you a couple tiny short stories. One is a pastor I met in Fort Wayne, Indiana on Saturday night named Josh. And Josh began pastoring his church a few years ago. And when he went in, he went in with the decision, I'm going to preach the full kingdom of God. I'm going to preach the full counsel of God when it comes to um, the gospel. I want to preach evangelism. I want to teach everything that's in scripture. I want to teach God's heart for the poor. And as he began doing that, um, occasionally um, in the early first year of his church, he had members get very angry at him um, and think that you're talking about the poor or you're talking about hospitality. That must be theologically liberal. And he lost 10 families from his church. It was really painful. But he continued to try and meet with them and talk with them um, as they were on the way out, but also continued to shepherd the people he had under his charge. And he has seen this incredible growth in his church and people see that it's not an either or like we share the gospel and we care for the vulnerable as the Bible calls us to. So they often call it um, the it's the four fold of the vulnerable from the Old Testament that God calls us to care for the poor, the widow, the foreigner and the orphan. And so by holding those two intention, he's seen church growth. He has seen people grow in their love for Jesus and people see that you can do both in a church. Mm. Another one is a good friend of mine, Risa, and her husband, Jim. They have been praying for the country of Afghanistan for years, just praying and praying. They had never been there, you know, didn't know anyone from there. And Akron, Ohio, some of the many people that got resettled through the refugee resettlement program were from Afghanistan. And so I met this family um, that wanted to practice English. The wife um, really needed someone to come to her home to practice because she had children at home and couldn't make it to classes. So I asked Risa, would you consider meeting with this family and practicing English with the wife. Now, that was three years ago. Risa is now basically their adopted grandmother. Mm. She... Her and Jim are at the home of this Afghan family throughout the week. They celebrate holidays with them. They have shared their faith with them. Um, They pray with them. And she takes the kids trampolining. Risa is a very active grandmother. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, But it's been beautiful to see this woman who prayed so faithfully for this country for years and years now has people who are 
practically members of her own family, and she's been able to show them the love of Christ and tell them the love of Christ and advocate for their behalf and their good in the city as they are growing in their new American life. And that, to me, is just a beautiful picture of what happens when Jesus gets a hold of our heart and we are applying um, what we see in the Word to our daily lives. Yeah. You know... I think there'll be people here and say they can hear the excitement in your voice and they say, ah, you're challenging me. You're making me think maybe a little bit differently than, than we normally have. No. But, you know, in thinking that way, though, it, it's kind of started that process with mm-hmm. them. But like, OK, you, you've moved me from a position of skepticism to, uh, all right, you, you're, you're getting me intrigued. You, mm-hmm. You've challenged that. If they wanted to, to find out more or maybe you've, you've already said, hey, no, I'm in. I was already in before the conversation, but now I'm even in more. Uh, how would you suggest that they would do that? Well, a couple of ways. So I would love it if you guys would go and check out on the website our restitution-based immigration reform, which you can find that in the shortcut, evangelical immigration table forward slash restitution. Mm-hmm. You can read the principles. You can read our theological statement, and then you can sign it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have questions, you can contact me. Um, my information will be posted on this podcast. I'd love to answer them. Um, you can get informed about what is happening in the world of immigration and mm-hmm. learn um, about some of the stories that are out there, some of the brokenness, and get in your Bible. I yeah. think most important Amen. is read Amen. the word and um, lo- let Jesus be the one who shapes how you think about this subject. You know, we, we say this often, but I'm going to say it again. I, I get fascinated by the folks that we bring in here, man. I mean, especially Buckeyes, right? Yes. <laughs> but, I mean, I just get fascinated because you're right. And, and sometimes I wonder why, it's, why immigration is so difficult. Is it because, as Americans, we can't hardly ever see ourselves as uh, a refugee? Hmm. You know, where would I ever end up as a refugee? You know, now there may be some. Yeah. But so it's hard for us sometimes. And we do pick those. Here's my corner and here's your corner. And we're going to fight. Man, get into the word. Do you hear? Do you hear our do you hear our friend here? Do you hear Christy? Get into the word. And that'll make a huge difference. Thank you so much for being with us. Such a joy. God bless you, our sister. Hey, folks, again, you can go to evangelicalimmigrationtable.com. That's evangelicalimmigrationtable.com. Hey, you can listen to us again and get all this cool information at goodnewsforthecity.com. Listen to the podcast. Also, wava.com, put in the keyword good news. Look under our podcast page. Or if you really want to, you can call Dennis. That's me, 703-807-2266. Folks, thank you for being with us. God bless y'all. We'll see you again next week. And remember... It's the gospel that makes a way. It's the gospel, the gospel that makes a way. Thank you for joining us and listening to Good News for the City, a gospel partnership between WAVA and One Heart DC. This is a partnership, movement which celebrates and seeks to accelerate the move of the gospel into the Washington, D.C. metro area. It is our prayer that through this radio broadcast ministry of Good News for the City, we will see transformed lives and communities and more and more people responding to the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want to help bring unity to Bible-believing people and churches in order to multiply our impact in our city, and we would love for you to join us. You can learn more at goodnewsforthecity.com. That's goodnewsforthecity.com. Or you can go to wava.com keyword good news. Or you can call us at 703 80 
803-807-2266. And remember, it's the gospel that makes a way.